We are here for episode two of the Creators of Color podcast. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Avi Gandhi. Our mission is to inspire and enable a new generation of content creators of color. If you like what you hear, please support us by leaving a comment or a review, and especially sharing with your friends. Uh, we're available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. This episode, we're talking to Stro. You can find him on Instagram, uh, directed by Stro, S-T-R-O. He is the co-founder of a company called Room 1041, and they produce content on behalf of some of the biggest content creators in the world. I mean, if you have watched YouTube at some point, you have seen their content and you have seen something that Stro has directed. He's also a person of color. He's also of Vietnamese descent. He's Vietnamese Canadian. And so I'm really excited to talk to Stro about his background, about his experience. Well, let's get into it. Stro, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us on uh, Creators of Color. Let's go. Avi, thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. I'm excited to have you. We've, we've worked together for a couple of years now on and off different projects, but you're like the guy in digital media. You do so many of the biggest creators' content. You've been doing it for years. You know, people like Lele Pons and Tuan and... Rosanna Pancino and Juan Pazarita, who's uh, an international star. It's funny, we were just talking when uh, before we got on, and you said you're a little nervous uh, to talk about this stuff, because uh, I think I think the quote used is you're kind of uh, disconnected from your roots. And I just want to start there. Like, what made you say that? So, well, obviously, I, I moved out here when I was five to, uh, to Canada. My parents were... Uh, refugees from the Vietnamese war. So, so we, we, uh, I was born in a refugee camp in uh, Indonesia, moving to Canada. There wasn't a lot of Vietnamese people. So there, I didn't really have a community. I didn't really have a tribe. So I was definitely uh, a little lost, uh, growing up because I didn't know where I belonged because I, when I came home, it would be, you know, me speaking Vietnamese and, uh, you know, we would have our little thing. And then when I would go out, out into the world, it was just really interesting because I just grew, uh, up with a, um, a group of, um, in elementary school, um, Somalians and Arabs. And then going to, uh, into high school, it was um, uh, Persians and Jamaican Jamaicans. Were, were those different neighborhoods or like, did you move around or was that all kind of the same? Yeah, we moved around a lot. We moved around a lot and there's di- a lot of different schools, uh, just a lot of different communities. And uh, I would just really absorb in, the com- in their culture because, you know, that, 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 that's what, that was what I was exposed to. Were you also around other Vietnamese refugees who had moved to Canada or, or other people from Indonesia or was it? Eventually, like in high school, like I, um, I, I've met a few Vietnamese people, but even by then I just couldn't relate to them because I, I just grew up so different. Even having dinner with their families, it was like, okay, I'm not coming off as polite because I, don't, I didn't know the, you know the polite ways to like, have dinner and have conversations because I was grown so differently. While you were kind of around all of these folks from other parts of the world, were you also around a lot of white people? Like, would you say that the culture that you had absorbed growing up into high school was white Canadian? So, so uh, eventually it did get into uh, the white Canadian world where um, I, I started listening to a uh, punk rock. Who, who are we talking about? Okay. Vance, tell me the Vance. You know the the classic um, Panic of the Disco, um, Four Years Strong. Nice. 
Nice. Um, Blessed by, by Broken Heart. I'm not sure anyone knows this. It's also like a lot of Canadian bands, Canadian rock well, bands. Well, I mean, my, my first concert, the first concert I ever went to in high school is Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco. Oh my Yellow God. Yellow Card, Starting yeah. Line. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, yeah, and and my friend, my you know, my previous friends didn't get it. Like my Jamaican friends, my Persian friends, um, like this. I was just like obsessed. Like this music was so awesome. So uh, I started making uh, white friends, going to concerts, and so through like through music, through art, you were in one kind of melting pot almost, and then kind of moved into a different cultural group through music. Did that affect kind of your creativity? Is that kind of the start of how you got into becoming a creator? How, how did you kind of bridge that gap? Obviously, you'll never guess. So I wanted to become a teacher. Growing up, Boy Meets World was my biggest inspiration. Um, nice. Spe- specifically, Mr. Feeney, how he like yep. changed the generation and like uh, walked through life with uh, these young kids. And, and impacting their lives in a big way. I wanted to impact uh, people's lives as well. So I wanted to become a teacher. And uh, as a bonus, my, my, I knew my parents would be proud. But in between then, I was doing uh, filmmaking as a hobby. I, I would film my friends uh, uh, free running and making them do things, tell jokes. And then people started seeing my work and they wanted to hire me for things. So I would go out filming a nightclub i would go out filming uh, weddings and stuff uh, i came from a small town so everyone knew of me really quickly and people were just calling me and booking me like crazy and then at a certain point i'm like okay do i stop going to school and pursue this uh, hobby or do i keep um, becoming a teacher and make my parents happy it was it was a no-brainer at the time i want to do my hobby i'm happy doing it I'm filming people. I'm yeah. meeting a lot of new people. So uh, I pursued that. I told my parents. How did they react to that? Uh, they, they they didn't believe it. They didn't believe me for so long, Avi. <laughs> Even when I moved to LA, you know, four years down the line, they still didn't believe me. And then I think it was a few years ago where like, wow, like you, you know, you really like did something with your passion. Like they didn't, they didn't realize or they didn't believe that you could make yeah. a living and be successful making videos. Yes. <laughs> Did they try to stop you? Did they are like, was it a fight? Was it an argument or were they kind of like, do what you want, but this is silly. There, there's so there's such supportive parents, but uh, they, they didn't believe the, the career uh, up until t- 2018. They, they always, they've always told me to like, all right, so it's kind of not working out for you. You should move back home and get a right. job. Right. I'm like, so crazy. That's so crazy. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Did your parents want you to, you know, integrate more to like sort of fit in more with like the local culture? Were they very strict about, you know, school and uh, and like getting good grades? And- I, I think, that, uh, again, this is where like I, I drift apart from my community because I, you know, I hear stories about my Asian counterparts their parents saying, you know, being super strict, but my parents weren't super strict. Why they weren't super strict is because they were working all the time. Right. I mean, they, they were like fresh immigrants coming to America, just trying to make ends meet. Uh, my my parents were working in a nail salon Monday through Saturday, even some, sometimes Sunday. So again, I had to like 
learn a lot by myself. I mean, that's a really impressive work ethic. Um, and I know you have a very impressive work ethic yourself. Did you do you think that you kind of absorbed some of that from them? Did you have to have to help them at the nail salon or anything like that? One hundred one hundred percent. I've I've learned a lot of my my grit, my perseverance, and my work ethic from my parents, absolutely. Even though my parents weren't strict, we were like very reserved. So uh, just giving opinions um, and being quiet was like the main thing in my household. So coming into this industry, in the film industry, you know, I have to be very opinionated and very... Yeah, you're you know, a director. You got to tell everyone what to do. Right? I got to tell everyone. Yeah. So, so that's, some, that's a skill like I had to like really really try to you know learn and figure out this is a good opportunity for us to transition to talking about uh your career uh as a creator um because you're a creator in many ways right you have your own social media following people you know the internet knows who you are um but your your biggest kind of calling card is that you are uh an accomplished director working with a lot of these superstar creators you have to kind of get them to mesh with your creative vision, but your creative vision has to mesh with theirs. I'm sure there's a lot of friction in that process. You weren't actually raised to have that much friction. So you had to learn how to, to deal with that. How did you how did you do that? Influencers have big personalities and I would I would say a lot of motions. So when we do clash, I'll always try to make it work with them, whether it be uh, filming the shot twice or filming an ending twice, where there's a lot of times where we had to do that, where we see it in post. And then from there, we've developed the trust. Okay, Stroh was right here. Like it, it flowed really well. It's it's a little bit funnier. Sometimes I would be wrong, but I would have like really good spirits about it. So we've, we've just developed that like friendship from, from there. It seems like the sort of cultural experience you had growing up where your parents were like, don't make waves, don't like push, you don't want to start you know, you don't want to create friction. It seems like you've sort of taken that and kind of made it useful from like the perspective of working with these big and emotional personalities. And so you're not trying to make waves. You're not saying it's my way or the highway. You're really working with them as a partner. And that allows you to build that trust. That's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You're starting to become a therapist, Avi. I, I, I mean, I'm like connecting the dots. Like, yeah, that's right. That's that's so that's so true. Once you've spent enough time in therapy, like I have, then uh, you could you could start to you know. So I moved to America um, uh, with like sixteen hundred dollars American. Uh, go to this like really bummy hotel motel with like a bunch of cockroaches, and the only way I could uh, think of making money is go, putting ads on Craigslist. And that's how I met uh, Steven Spence. He wanted to do a music video at the time. So he messaged me to, to create a music video for him. Even though I was so broke, even to a point where I even couldn't pay for gas, I told Spence that I'm going to do this music video for, for you for free. We crushed that music video. Well, uh, we ended up bec- becoming best friends. And he, he had a career change during that time, too, where he wanted to be a creator. I started filming his uh, sketch content and it started blowing up. Everyone wanted to collaborate with Spence. So we would be on this collaboration. We would go to 1600 Vine. I'm not sure if you know 1600 Vine. Yeah, this is like the the legendary apartment complex where all the internet stars lived for like a couple of years in the mid 10s. And uh, I would come to this building with Spence and people started to realize that, hey, 
this guy Stro is not filming with iPhones. He's filming with a professional camera and he's directing everybody to make their sketch content. Everyone started to use me. I, I was the, the first person to introduce um, traditional filmmaking in the, in the Vine social scene. And I was very lucky to do so because during that time, there were so many people in the traditional space that could have done it. But I was just lucky to you know be in the right time, in the right place. Mm. And interesting fact, I've taught so many people, how, so many influencers how to edit. I've taught, <laughs> I've taught. So you you became a teacher after all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I love that. I didn't even think I about that. that. Okay, so you have had a ton of success now working with a lot of these creators. You know, you mentioned Amanda Cerny uh, and like Lele. And uh, I think, you know, another time we talked, you used to work with like the Paul brothers. And, you know, a lot of these creators are, uh, you know, they're white or, or, uh, Latino, or frankly, I haven't heard you mention a lot of Asian creators. Um, uh, and I'm curious, uh, sort of, you you taught you told me before we logged on, and we were just chatting before we started the call that uh, you feel almost like uh, separated or alienated from your background. And I'm curious, kind of, what you meant by that. I would say I have the biggest difficulty um, working with Asian creators. And, and I've worked with a lot of Asian creators before. It just we, we just haven't continued that connection, just because I I uh, I just feel so unrelatable to other Asian creators, if that makes sense. I, I do do try to make an effort every time I see a Asian creator. I'm always offering up to creators I'm working with now, so I'm I'm always always trying to rep the uh, Asian community. The the problem I'm running into when uh, repping the Asian community is there's not a lot of Asian um, social media presence. And, and I'm always the one to like, hey, we got to, you know, throw in this person. Like, she's an Asian. Like, let's, you know, represent her. And uh, th- there just isn't a ton. Um, do you know Linda Dong? Uh, I don't know her personally, but I definitely love her content. Yeah. So Linda Dong is like the, I would say the only Asian that I'm like really connected with. Yeah. Um, she's Vietnamese. And uh, I, I've always tried to keep the pulse with her. I'll, I'll like uh, send her like Vietnamese content in Vietnamese, and and th- that's the one person that I feel like is like my one connection to my roots. It sounds like it's it's really frustrating to you that you know you want to connect with people of Asian descent, and you're feeling kind of like you can't or you haven't found people who want to connect back. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's very fair to say, and and I still don't know the reason why, but I'd love to ask that question because I just I would assume there's a lot of Asians that could benefit, that are successful, that could benefit from uh, a community lifting them up. Well, it sounds like you're looking for that community for yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I know the feeling. It's uh, something. I'll be I've in the been... same boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we're two uh, people of Asian descent that are now in our own community. So we could always start one, you know, Ooh, and just. That's what I'm saying, like just Southeast East Asians. So, so South by Southeast Asians. South by Southeast Asians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I wish, you know, I wish that it was more all inclusive encompassing, right? Like there's this AAPI community. There is something to be said about diversity and inclusion, even within some of these subsections of these communities. It just makes so much more sense if the community actually like lifted all of us up and, and recognized all of us. Because 
as Asians, we're, we're already a minority. And to have, you know, another section of minority inside the minority, it, it's just, it's not efficient if we're, if we're really trying to make a big difference in, in representation. So if you were starting as a creator today, what advice would you give yourself? If I were starting as a creator today, um, the, the advice I would give to myself is to, to really study um, the creator and their content how they're talking, what kind of content they're making. It's not just about the algorithm. It's about uh, how you interact, interact with your fans because you, you have to, you have to be a entertainer to be like a creator, like really study up on like presenting information, uh, really stub, study up on having a personality and uh, having really good content to share to the audience. Do you have any advice for other people of color who are considering becoming creators? As a as a person of color, even if you have an accent, even if you're socially awkward, um, there there's a lot of people out there that co- could relate to you. We're all human beings. We all have like uh, certain traits that we could all relate to. So just like tell your story. Yeah, I love that. Like niche is kind of mainstream now, and so you know. Yeah, it's not. It's not, it's not about being perfect and being like having like that uh, news reporter persona. Right. But, and and you don't have to look like everyone else. Yeah. You don't have to look like everybody else because there's, there's all there's And and like you said, niche is becoming the new mainstream. So it's like, I relate to this person and I, and, and I love this person. On a human level. On a a human level. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an advice for, Anyone, people, companies, brands, you know, other creators who want to work with creators of color uh, on kind of how to do that uh, in a um, empathetic or more effective way. I think the creators would appreciate it and uh, especially if it's a culture that you don't know is to, to really get to know the creator first. If it's possible to, to have a sit down and just hang out with the creator because uh, that, that's been my approach the whole my whole life. I've yeah. never just like hit up a creator and um, and just like make it a purely a, a business transaction. Right. I always make the effort to like get to know the creator, sit down with them. I'll always make sure we have like thirty minutes of like getting to know them before we start shooting. If it's my if, if it's my first time. Yeah. And and, and becoming their friend. Because my, my whole, like, career is, like, based on friendship. If they feel like they're on the same side as you and that you're, you're a friend and that you care, they're going to be – they'll care about not letting you down. So I think that's important to, like, build that relationship. Do you have any advice for how um, white creators or white executives uh, could support creators of color more effectively? I, I think uh, it's building your your role of decks of talent because it's really easy to see what's in front of you, right? And and, right. and, I, and I don't blame people, you know, the white people for like sticking to the white people, you know, to the white people. Yeah. But yeah. you know, yeah. it's just because because we're not on their radar. Yeah, it's exactly what happens. You know, companies that recruit from their own networks tend to have lower levels of diversity, right? Because like. Yeah. If historically, you know, companies are mostly white or if historically the people who are getting promoted are mostly white and those people are then doing the hiring and they're looking in there at their network, they're going to hire mostly white people. And it's a problem that I've had myself hiring people. I'm like, all right, who do I know like that can do creator partnerships or, uh, you know, 
uh, do production or whatever. And I look at my network and like the people I came up with from WME and the people that I came up with at other companies or just like have met around town. I'm like, all right, it's mostly white people. So if I want to be, if I want a team that's more diverse, I have to post more broadly. I have to invest in like posting on like every major recruiting platform. And I have to invest in, you know, uh, talking to people of color in my network to see who they know in their networks. And like, you have to make that yeah. effort. And, you know, I think likewise, if you're recruiting creators or partnering with creators, that's what it sounds like what you're saying is you have to make the effort. You can't just go within your circles. Yeah, that's exactly it. Have you had any mentors, either people of color or not? Uh, anyone who's kind of given you advice uh, and, you know, what kind of advice or what kind of feedback did you get as a person of color? Uh, I'm curious, like, uh, his name is, uh, Carrie Granite. Uh, he's like probably the biggest producer I know he's produced a scary movie, scream, Narnia, uh, spy kids, Charlotte's web, like wow. our whole, our whole childhood. Pretty much. He told me like, I was such a big threat to the industry because I know social media, and I'm also Asian. So that, that was like a big awakening for me, Avi, when he told me that. I'm like, damn, I never thought that, you know, I could use my roots, you know, embrace my roots to like make it in the industry. Do you know what he meant when he said that you're a threat to the industry because you're Asian? Like, was there like something about being Asian that makes you threatening to the industry in a, in a good way, I think? You know, the industry is uh, drifting towards um, being a, a lot more multi uh, multicultural. I think people are um, are tired of hearing the same stories from the same uh, old. Uh, <laughs> makes me feel so uncomfortable white. to say, but like you know, you know, white white uh, you know white people, which yeah. you know I love my my white friends, but you know it's. It, that's been Hollywood for you for the last, um, however decade. So I, I think that Hollywood is ready for, to hear from different voices. And, and, uh, my mentor saw that in the industry and he told me that, you know, I, I am a threat in that sense. Keeping in mind that the mission of this show is to like inspire and enable other people of color who want to become creators. Do you have any advice on how, you know, a creator could potentially leverage their, uh, skin color, cultural background, or any other identity kind of factor as a, a way to build rapport with the audience or a way to sort of push their career forward? So I would say just like lean into the stigma and like call it out. Like every relatable moment in your life that you think aren't relatable, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you they are relatable because right. everything is relatable. Right. Um, and, and just like really lean into that kind of content. Any last things you want to say? Anything that I didn't ask you about that you want to talk about? I, I just feel really blessed to be able to uh, talk about this as an Asian creator. I mean, this is the f very first time where I had to talk about anything like this, Avi. Anything as like serious as this. About, like, I'm, glad. That, that, you know, I'm glad that you're able to do it. And uh, hopefully it feels good to talk about it. Yeah, it, it feels really good to like be able to like finally like tell the story, and it really stimulated my brain. Like, okay, I've I've never really had to talk about this before. This is really cool, like for me to explore. So, so th thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoyed the conversation. We got we got pretty deep, and I'm excited to share yeah. it with people. And um, 
uh, you know, let's see if we can we can get you connected to more Asian creators and get you into the the community <laughs> okay. here. But um, in in the meantime, is there anything you want to promote? Anything you want to shout out? I guess just follow me on my Instagram. Me and my partner created the first par- uh, production company for creators. Yeah, Room Ten Forty One, awesome business. If you're looking for production help, definitely there. There are people to go to. And I'm making a movie next year. So uh, just uh, follow me on IG. Stay tuned for that. Can you share any details about the movie? Uh, it's it's going to be about um, the, the youth's streetwear culture. Oh, awesome. Well, super looking forward to that. Uh, thanks again for coming on, Strow. And, uh, you know, great chatting with you. Avi, thank you so much. Well, that was a really interesting conversation. First off, he's had this amazing, incredible and inspiring experience, right? Like uh, his parents were refugees. He was born in a refugee camp and came to first Canada and then eventually the U.S. and is sort of making his way, making his fortune, working with some of the biggest creators in the world. I mean, that's amazing. Thanks for listening to Creators of Color or watching it if you're watching this on YouTube or Spotify. Creators of Color is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Avi Gandhi, executive produced by Trenton Barboza, edited by Eric Abel. Theme song is written and performed by Justine Lightling. Thank you to the LinkedIn Accelerator Program for getting this podcast off the ground with funding and resources and mentorship. Thank you for watching or listening. Uh, If you liked this conversation and you want to support us and keep us going, please leave a comment, leave a review, subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're on and share with a friend. Uh, The more people that listen, the more we can spread the word and the more creators of color or aspiring creators of color, we can inspire and enable to pursue their dreams. All right. Thanks so much.